come thou long expected Jesus. A theme throughout the scriptures that started all the way back in Genesis chapter 315 that we'll look at in just a little while. But if you would follow along on the screen, I'm going to read just a few verses from the book of Matthew that gives us a great picture of this Advent theme of Christ, our Savior. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. If this love story of Christmas does not take your breath away, something else will. It may be the gifts under the tree tomorrow morning. It may be the person who is sitting next to you as in a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. It may be your children or your grandchildren. or It may even be the end of the year Christmas bonus. But if any one of those things, which are good things, gifts from our gracious Heavenly Father... If they captivate you, if they capture your attention and your thought more than this birth that we just read about, you may have lost a little bit of perspective. As we sit here this evening on the eve of celebrating the birth tomorrow morning, and in this story that we just read from Matthew, I want to look at just one main point with you that I think offers us some encouragement. Encouragement, if I may borrow an old phrase, that you can take to the bank. And it simply is this. Jesus' birth offers us abundant credibility for his mission to save his people. This encouragement is yours for the taking. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and then a few days later. The story that we just read, the the verse that I want to emphasize, is found in verse 22 and 23. And we read this from Matthew. All of this, everything that Matthew was explaining, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son who would be our savior. If you just look at that little word, those two words, to fulfill, it simply means to bring to completion or to complete something. Or it tells us something has been accomplished. The requirements have been met. 
And it's all in this context of something that was spoken about over 500, 600, 700 years ago. And these prophecies that were spoken and then were written down, if they came true, they were considered true in biblical and godly prophecies. The first one that we see in this passage that we read, Matthew is quoting from the prophet Isaiah some 700 years ago, who in his context was talking to a king. And the king was King Ahaz, and he was one incredibly bad dude. The scriptures tell us about Ahaz that he only did what was right in his own eyes. He didn't follow his father's footsteps. He didn't lean in towards the God of Israel. He did only what he saw what was right in his own eyes. And so instead of running to Isaiah the prophet and listening to him and saying, I think our country's in trouble, he instead attempted to barter with two pagan kings from Syria in Assyria. And those two kings who allowed him to enter into some barter with him eventually brought destruction down upon the whole nation of Israel. Isaiah, in that contest, stood, context, stood. Could somebody grab me a cup of water? That would be great. Tommy Jones, if you got it, or Ben. Isaiah the prophet stood and told Ahaz and told his son Hezekiah, because you didn't listen, because you would not turn to the Lord, God Almighty is going to send some 2,000 years later, or 700 years later, a baby born to a virgin, and that baby will be the one who will save his people. All of this to bring fulfillment to what God had spoken about. Thank you. Here's why this is so, inc- <clears throat> so incredibly important. In the scriptures, we're told that over 300 different prophecies that were made in the Old Testament all came true in one particular person, in the person of Jesus. And of those 300 to 300 prophecies, 27 or 28 of them were messianic prophecies that were filled in just one day when Jesus was born. There's a lot of people who are a whole lot smarter than me tell us this. The mathematical, statistical probability of just eight of those prophecies coming true in just one person, words that were prophesied over 500 years earlier, just eight of those coming true is one to 100 quadrillion. They also go on to tell us that if 48 of those prophecies were to come true in just one person, something spoken hundreds of years later, the chance of that happening would be 1 to 10 to the 157th power. Just 48. So the mathematical, statistical probability of over 300 of those prophecies coming true that would be Jesus. That would be the one whom God would predict and prophesy and foreshadow. This is the one who would come to save his people. 
just put this into context for a second. Everybody think if you have children and go back to when they were really little and they were just starting to want to help and say, me do, me do, and you give them their shoes and the reality is 90% of the time your intelligent, genius, prodigal little children got it wrong. They take the right foot and put, or the right shoe and put it onto the left foot. Gentlemen, if your wife says, I want to go out for a really nice dinner, and you go to her and you offer her three options, and you think they're the three best options, you have one in three chance of being right. And she chooses the fourth one. In Jesus, to fulfill the scriptures, to fulfill what Isaiah prophesied to be true, over 300 predictions came true. Jesus' birth offers us abundant credibility to his mission by fulfilling prophecies that God said for hundreds of years, this is what will take place. Here's a second prophecy that was fulfilled in this passage. And we see it in just four simple little words. And it says, Joseph, son of David, and the truth is, every other usage in the Bible where that, those words, son of David, were used in the New Testament, it always had the word Jesus in front of it. Jesus, son of David. This is the only instance in the scriptures where another name is substituted. And what's important about that is this is the fulfillment of what Matt and Mindy Birch just read to us a little while ago. This obscure passage back in 2 Samuel chapter 7 where God comes to King David and David wants to build the house of God for him. And he says, no. In fact, your kingdom is going to be split. But here's what I'm telling you, David. I'm telling you that in these verses, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Why? Go back to those words. Joseph, son of David. Mary provided the virgin womb for this child to be born. But it wasn't Mary and Mary alone who fulfilled one or all of these prophecies made in the Old Testament. Joseph is the one who somehow obscurely fell into the line of King David. And it was Joseph, son of David. That was to be the father of this little child, who was to be the one who would adopt this baby boy, knowing full well that he was not the biological father. He would be the one. In addition to Mary's virgin birth, virgin womb, Joseph adopting this would fulfill that promise made to David hundreds of years earlier that this Savior, this Messiah, would be the one to save his people. Here's something that's really interesting. Back then in that culture, we're told this, that instead of going through the courthouse and having an illegal adoption, a parent, a mother and a father would hold a little gathering. It could be just one who would be the witness, or it could be 15, 20, it could be more. But at some point in that ceremony, 
the father who's not the biological dad to that child would take that child, he would pull him in his hands, and he would turn to his wife or his fiance, and he would say these words, this child is mine. And this child is going to be ours. And I'm going to raise this one to be my child. And here's how I'm going to prove it. I'm going to give him his name. It's the giving of the name in that culture. That served as the legal contract. That served as the legal covenant of adoption, of bringing that child into their family. And we see Joseph who's son of David, who's in the family line of King David, at the very end we see these words, and he, Joseph, named him. Joseph named him. That seems like it's so obscure. It seems like it doesn't matter. But it was at that moment when the angels were watching, and I'm sure they were waiting on bated breath and celebrating like crazy. Joseph just fulfilled the promise to David by adopting into his family tree the Savior of the world. You know, by the way, that's a common theme that happens throughout Scripture in the New Testament. If you are in Christ and you are his, you have been adopted into the family of Christ into the kingdom of God. There's a third fulfillment that takes place in this passage. And I think it's my favorite. When, when Mary gives birth to this, this baby, this child, she fulfills a promise that God made to Adam and Eve all the way back in the garden when they messed it up. When they, through the lure of life, they could not resist that tree that they had been told not to go to. They couldn't resist it. Instead, they go to it and they partake of this fruit and they fell and they introduced sin into the world and consequently, everybody to follow would be born in sin as well. And God went to Adam and to Eve and although he had told them, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. We see this first instance of unbelievable grace where God doesn't just wipe them out. Instead, God offers this encouragement in in Genesis chapter 3. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Look at that picture. The serpent who was the great tempter, the liar, the deceiver, went to Mary and convinced her to eat of this fruit. And he entangled himself around her and entered into her a life of sin worth her. Can you imagine this scene take place in heaven where Mary comes to Eve and Eve with a sense of shame and a sense of guilt kind of tips her head down and says, I I did it, I'm guilty. And Mary walks to her and puts her arm on Eve and says, it's okay. They knew and they fixed it. I want you to do this. 
I want you to look at that picture, and I want you to place yourself in the place of Eve. Because Eve is you and it's me. We today are the ones who are tangled with the serpent trying to tempt us and trying to get us to not love the Lord our God with all of our heart, to not celebrate the birth of this baby. And as we stand there tangled, Jesus comes to us and he says to you, it's okay. We knew and we fixed it. And you are mine and I am yours. We celebrate this story because it's true. All righteousness was fulfilled in this Jesus. This love story of Christmas is so precious. It is so beautiful. Receive it over and over and believe in it over and over and allow this story. Allow tomorrow morning when you wake up. Lord, take my breath away with this gift you've given. Amen.